0: I mean, how I kind of deal with my daughter's disappearance, I describe it as a room that I go into uh, with a lot of memories, and it's, it's difficult sometimes to deal with, with those memories. And I knew that starting an organization like this, that kind of stuff would have to come up. So it took a while before I was uh, mentally ready to be able to do that. You have to make something good come out of all this. And the best way that I knew to make something good come out of Brianna being missing was to help other people.
1: Everything changed for Bruce Maitland when his daughter, Brianna Maitland, vanished after leaving her job at the Black Lantern Inn in Montgomery, Vermont on March 19, 2004. I'm Tim Polary.
2: And I'm Lance Reensterna, and we are the hosts of the podcast, Missing, which covers the stories of missing persons.
1: We also have the privilege of sitting on the board of the nonprofit Private Investigations for the Missing.
2: Private Investigations for the Missing was founded by Bruce Maitland. But that's not how we met Bruce. We actually met him back in 2016 when we were covering another mysterious and eerily similar disappearance for our show, Missing Maura Murray.
1: Back then, the nonprofit didn't exist yet. And Bruce was understandably a little guarded when it came to opening up about his personal tragedy to a couple of podcasters. So here's a clip from our second ever episode on Brianna's case.
2: He said things during a conversation that wasn't recorded uh, that he kind of brought up during our interview where you know, Brianna is in, is in a little room in a box in his head, you know, he doesn't want to open this up. So he prefers at this point to not talk about Brianna as his daughter, as, as a person, he wants to talk about the case and said he will answer as much as he possibly can, but he has shut off a lot of the memories that he's had. Uh, he, he, Not intentionally. He just said, you know, it was a tough time. It was a terrible time. And he doesn't remember a lot of what happened in the immediate few months and years around that time. We've been covering this case for five years now and in honor of the 17th anniversary of Brianna's disappearance, it seems like Bruce might finally be getting closer to some answers.
1: Brianna Maitland was born on October eighth, 1986, so that made her 17 years old when she went missing from the old Dutchburn house, which was basically a boarded-up, abandoned house about a mile away from where she was working as a dishwasher at the Black Lantern Inn.
2: By all accounts, she left work at about 11 p.m. that night, and her car was found backed up into the side of this broken down building, the rear of the car, the trunk of the car was almost hung up onto the foundation of the building. And anyone who uh, is interested or has researched true crime and has seen that picture, you'll see how it says a million things but really says nothing at the same time. It really stands out as a picture of of a true tragedy. Something really wrong happened that night.
1: Yeah, the car must have been backed up in a certain way to, and at a certain speed to have hit the house, the abandoned house, and to get hung up um, onto it. And so I know a lot of web sleuths and law enforcement has looked at these photos and looked at the tire tracks and really tried to put these pieces together, and it is still confusing after all these years.
2: That's correct. There have been a lot of theories about what happened, how that car could have gotten there and where she went after that car crashed into the back of the home. Was there somebody in her back seat? Were there people following her in another car? Were there people waiting for her at a certain distance down the road by that house and caused her to back into there? People have looked at the tires and how the wheel was turned and was she trying to back up and then around a car to get out of there? So many questions come from that picture, and yet it's almost 17 years later, and here we are again with absolutely no sighting, no credible evidence to Brianna's whereabouts.
1: And no shortage of kind of shady characters surrounding her at that point of her life. And we've produced about 15 episodes on Brianna's case, and we have spoken about a lot of those characters, and uh, we spoke to some of Brianna's friends, and I think those interviews are really interesting. They go back a few years now, but her friends were well aware of who she was hanging out with and who was in their circle, and... It still seems like the truth is being hidden.
2: And that happens to a lot of people in these situations, these missing person situations. They do get involved with these elements that take them down. Um, A lot of people get out of them, but some people have the unfortunate circumstance of falling too deep into these uh, situations. And that's what Bruce wants to do with private investigations for the missing is try to give something back to these families and make something good come out of his own daughter's tragedy.
1: Bruce was pretty frustrated and really still is by the investigation or lack thereof from the Vermont State Police. And that led him to start speaking with private investigators. Greg Overacker, who, Lance, he's become our friend, too. He reached out to Bruce not long after Brianna went missing. He saw Brianna's missing poster while he was on the thruway in New York. And his heart just went out to the family and he reached out. And they've been friends and been working on this case ever since. And really, throughout conversations between them, it led to Bruce having the idea about private investigations for the missing because private investigators are not cheap, Lance. And when you're talking
2: about these expenses, a lot of these underserved families aren't able to cover that. And that's why their loved one continues to stay missing because now they're not even a priority for the
1: law enforcement as well. And we recently sat down with Bruce to speak about what is going on with private investigations for the missing. We are approaching 17 years missing for Brianna, and I just
0: wondering how you're
1: feeling at this point.
0: Seems like it was, uh, you know, a whole lifetime ago, and there's times when it just seems like it was yesterday. It's just kind of a weird back and forth on it. One of the
2: things that we often tell people is, uh, and and we sort of do it in a in a bragging way, and I hope you don't mind, but we say what you've done with. Brianna's disappearance and and taking that to uh, private investigations for the missing is so impressive to us and and we we often tell people you are the best example of taking something tragic and trying to make something good out of it in in the best way you can and you saw a need for this a lot of other people you know know that there's a a, a drop off with um the priority when when someone is missing it's and it's so quick when someone goes missing and law enforcement doesn't have something within a certain period of time there's a drop-off and and what you want to do is make sure that that doesn't happen anymore
1: we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. Was there a time that the Vermont State Police gave you the indication that Brianna's case was no longer a priority?
0: Oh, they never said that by, they never said that to me by their actions at times. Uh, that's what I took that, it, you know, had slipped down to obviously a lower level. Yeah. And that time probably came, I mean, it was a, a priority for a few months And then it became a kind of a, what I thought was a lower priority. Then about uh, 2000, about two years later, I felt that they did a lot more work on it. And then it was just been kind of a, uh, when they have time and that kind of remains so to this day.
2: So it was sort of an on again, off again situation. And when it, became an on again situation did it feel like there was just a little bit less energy put into it or maybe someone new was approaching it so they needed to be debriefed and and that took a little bit longer is that is that kind of how it felt
0: well, I think it was mostly in response to uh, information that they would receive I've been through said this before I guess uh, in the past but I mean they they have a you know Police in general, and I think this is you know nationwide, and I'm not knocking the Vermont State Police, but they obviously they they have a reactive time, what I call a reactive time, and, that, and that's right away. If you're fortunate, sometimes that doesn't happen right away either, but they do have a reactive time where they're actively trying to pursue leads and trying to solve it and uh, things like that, and then then it goes into uh, kind of a semi-reactive time where they only react to information as they get it. They don't actively try to go out and pursue leads, and then it goes cold. And then during those cold times, nothing happens until some a new piece of information comes, and then, you know, different police departments respond to it differently. Some of them will hop right on it, and some of them just get to a point where they don't even care about looking at it. You know, it's back in the corner of a file somewhere, and, and that's where it sits until somebody like our organization, gets involved and gets kind of some some groundwork started and maybe turns up some interest in heat and, and then it goes back into the reactive stage again.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that that they turn up some some heat on it. Uh, and you said previously that it took fourteen years before you made sort of the conscious decision to uh, start this organization, and that was with uh, private investigator Greg Overacker, who's one of the heroes of of Crawl Space. How did that conversation happen? And I'm I'm kind of wondering about the genesis of like physically speaking those words with Greg and saying. What do we have to do next? And did you, did you see the, these examples happening throughout the 14 years where maybe something came to your attention that you wanted something to be followed up on, and then you realized, wow, I have to go pay somebody to do this?
0: Because Greg didn't live in the area where Brianna disappeared, we would have discussions on, well, when I would have Greg go up to Vermont to do some work for me, Greg, to his credit, I mean, he would only ever charge me for the expenses to go up there. Even so, I mean, it was it was a lot of money. So what we ended up having to do, and this is a case uh, no person that has a loved one out there should really have to do, but you ended up you end up kind of prioritizing that. You know, you you can't afford to send a guy up there and say just go on up there, Greg, and uh, you know here's here's all these people that should be talked to and be interviewed, you end up saying, well, I guess we'll have to maybe, you know, prioritize this one over that one or leave this one go. In the TV world, no stone goes unturned in crime shows. You know, they just do it all up and wrap it all up in an hour. Well, that's not how it really works. You know, I could see, you know, with that, it kind of the idea begins to evolve as it's like, hey, there's just so many other people, even in worse situations than I am, that uh, don't have any access to this. You know, the need is just tremendous and and no one else is really doing it. I mean, we're it. And even to us as board
1: members, there's a whole end of it that we don't really see. And one of those things we found out live on the air that you speak with Nikki Johnson. Regularly, more often than we would have realized. And Nikki, of course, her dad, Archer Ray Johnson went missing back in 1986 from Brooklyn, Washington. Yeah, he's been so helpful to me, just in my own emotions and feelings. Well, that is really great to hear. have you spoken with him? Yeah, we've talked once a week or so um, on the phone. And I just – he helps validate how I feel, and I don't know. It's just you guys have been – I'll say this. Even if we don't get to the bottom of it, you guys have been helpful. I mean, just I, – I guess I feel like I'm not alone. Good. good. That is and, great to hear. Yeah. yeah. And the, that's news to us, by the way. I did not yeah. know that you and Bruce uh, spoke. I mean, that's how uh, – how many sort of uh, moving parts there are at a PS for the missing. Um, and everyone's got a, a goal and they're, they're working on it and we don't even hear about it all. So it's really awesome when we actually hear something like that. I guess what leads you to do that? Why, why do you pick up the phone and, and have those conversations?
0: Well, I mean, there's, there's no better way in my mind to help someone than, than the help comes from someone that's actually stood in their shoes at some point know, Nikki's a really brave person for taking this on. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to help her in any way I could, uh, you know, to and, and not just in the case part of it, but more so in the dealing with her feelings. I have this, you know, this or that is going through my mind, or I feel this or that way. And I was able to validate that for her. There's people out there that need help in, in more ways than just a private investigator. And, and what what bit I can do, you know, I'm willing to do that. So it's fair to say that your experience after years of living through
1: the disappearance of your daughter, uh, that led you directly to uh, create this uh, private investigations for the missing because you felt there was a need out there.
0: Yes, because your other alternative was to pay, pay short-term stuff to privatize to, and this is what I, I've learned myself in talking with other people uh, around the country. I mean, your other alternative is to pay a, pay a PI, which you can't afford on any kind of long-term basis so you end up paying them to do specific tasks or something like that and uh you know there's just not enough money for that and it's just a terrible situation and then you hear of people that have lost their whole life savings you know to try to find the you know their missing loved one because you'll do about anything i think it really the idea just kind of started with uh, that uh, it's like oh my gosh all these other people out here have had bad experiences or just had uh zero help i mean the truth is it was probably 14 years after brianna went missing before i could bring myself to do this uh so it took a it took a long It's a big step for me even now sometimes uh to kind of uh because you have to I thought about it for probably a year before I actually did anything about it too. So, because and, and, you realize that there's certain things that you go through that you're going to have to go through uh, in your own mind. And it's it's what I call the hard road. Uh, it, it's just, it's n- not taking the easy road in dealing with, uh, you know, dealing with uh, Brianna's disappearance. But it's something that has to be I felt at some point you just get this overwhelming, well, it's, this has just got to be done and it has to happen. And, you know, I'm going to pursue this in the same way that I've pursued to continue looking for Brianna. There's a certain pain that comes out of it every time. But you learn to deal with it, just like you learn to deal with other things in life that happen to you. You know, it's just, that's the way it is. So mm-hmm. you, you that's, that's why I call it, the you know, the hard road. You know, it's not easy. And I don't mean yeah. to denigrate other people that have you know, miss, missing children and missing loved ones. I mean, for choosing another road, I really don't, because everyone has to deal with it. If there's, you know, I've learned everybody deals with it differently, and and that's all okay, because they're all out there doing the best they can.
2: And then you mentioned some people and, and you know, through the no, no fault of their own. And, and you said you there were times when you'd uh, travel down that uh, road where you get depressed. And so that in my head, it looks like a dead end. Right. So then you have to kind of claw through that and, and travel uh, you know further um, and, and get back on that that hard road. But at least you're traveling forward. Right. Like at least it's going to a destination. And I feel like that's the case with the nonprofit as well. Is it is it looking like that for you when you're when you take. step back do you see the organization becoming this um this engine to travel this road that was a great metaphor
0: (laughs) well i mean as you guys know i mean my dream is to have this as a nationwide organization i would like to help as many people as possible so that's always been the goal that's out there and uh and that remains the goal i mean i just i i see i see no end to to growth and you know, even years down the road, if I'm not around anymore, I, I want to see the see like the mission continue. So it's there's no end to it. The mission is pretty simple, really. Though it's it's the we we want to be able to provide at no cost PIs to help families find their missing loved ones. You know, if there was a one sentence definition, that would be it. And it gets a little more complicated and nuanced uh, as we go on and all these other connections that you just spoke about, they kind of come out as a benefit. It's stuff that's happened that's really surprised me, but, uh, you know, it, it's a very simple, simple mission. There's just so many people that need help and, and, and we want to try to help them out in any way we can. And then it becomes, a, you know, part of what you guys do, Tim and Lance and, and, uh, You know, obviously what the PIs are doing behind the scenes. You know, I I try to help out where I can. And all the volunteers, it's great. I mean, it's almost every day somebody needs some help. And we'd love to be able to help them all.
1: But there is hope for Brianna's case. Othram Labs has been working with DNA samples taken from the crime scene.
2: Through the work that we've done with Bruce and with Private Investigations for the Missing, we've had companies like Othram reach out to us to offer their help. And Othram is, according to their website, the first private laboratory built to apply the power of modern parallel sequencing to forensic evidence. In short... That means that they decipher genetic identities so these missing person cases can be solved. And Brianna's case is one that is in their pipeline. They're currently working on it, and we will provide updates as they come to us.
1: For a deep dive into Brianna Maitland's case and many more stories like hers, listen to our show, Missing, on the Crawlspace Media Network.